0: Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I'll tell you right up front, I do not claim to be a great speaker of particular events necessarily. I'm a word teacher. I teach and preach the Word of God, the Bible. Uh, But many of the events that that happen in our lives today, uh, we find great reference to them in the scriptures and uh, many of the liberties and the things that we enjoy as Christians uh, and as Americans, we find that uh, coming directly from the word of God, the impact is there. So I've put together some thoughts today uh, and I'd like to talk to you about the power of memorials in the book of Acts chapter 10 in verse 4. Acts chapter 10, verse 4. There's a powerful passage of Scripture. It's when uh, uh, Cornelius, he was an Italian, the Bible says. He was out of the Italian band. Therefore, I married Cindy. She's Italian. The Scripture says there was a certain man in Caesarea uh, called Cornelius who was a centurion of the band called the Italian band. That's interesting, isn't it? They had their own band back in those days, too. That's amazing. A devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently or plainly, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, how many of you are glad God knows your name? He called, this angel called him by name, Cornelius. And when he had looked on him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. It's an interesting story when you read about Cornelius. Uh, From the scriptures, there is a, 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 a pretty powerful, compelling trail of a man who one time came to Jesus who was a centurion, and he wanted Jesus to heal his servant. And the Bible says he told Jesus, I'm not worthy that you even come under my uh, roof, but if you'll just speak the word only, my servant will be healed. And Jesus made some very startling statements. Uh, One of them, probably the most startling of all, he said, I have not found so great faith anywhere in Israel. This man is not a Jew. He is a Roman. He is an Italian. And yet, uh, his faith in Jesus was more than Jesus' own disciples who were standing around him. Uh, Here's Peter, James, and uh, here's Mark, and John, and Luke, and, and the disciples around him. And Jesus turned to them and said, I haven't found faith like this guy has anywhere in all of Israel. It makes me think that Jesus was on a faith journey. He was almost like on a faith treasure hunt. Am I talking all right? Can y'all hear me today? Uh, He said, I haven't found faith like this. You'll find that Jesus was always going somewhere looking for faith. He said it two different times. Uh, He said it about uh, uh, Cornelius, who I believe this is Cornelius. Uh, He also said it about a Syrophoenician woman, a one time who had faith that her daughter could be healed. Can I have a big amen there? Uh, Jesus on that one, it was about a 30-mile journey where he had gone to, which is the furthest recorded journey that we have that Jesus took in his lifetime. So he was looking for faith. He's trying to get men and women to see that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, He wants that revelation that is coming every time he's speaking, every time he's near. There it is. But he's wanting people to believe it by faith and receive it. And this centurion uh, was a man of great authority. And he goes and he says to Jesus, my bondservant needs to be healed. If you read it in, in the uh, Greek and saw the Hebrew uh, linear to it, it literally says my bondservant needs to be healed. A bondservant, according to the Old Testament, was a very unique person. A bondservant was a person who could serve for a period of time. On the seventh year that they were a servant, they had the right to go free if they had served and it, and taken care of whatever the bond was. And so the scripture says, uh, during that period of time, whoever their master was or whoever their lord was, uh, was to take care of them. Uh, they were to work for him or her. At the end of that time, uh, they they would evaluate. Has my master been good to me or not good to me? Do I want to stay here? Is this actually a pretty good arrangement for my life? The scripture says, if the master has given them a spouse, if, the, if they had children, if they had their own place, that person had the right to proclaim legally that they would either go free or they would not go free. If they would not go free, the Bible says, that they would, uh, the the magistrates would take them to this particular doorpost. And it, generally there would be one in a big estate, in a house. And they would take a, the Bible calls it an AWL, an awl, a drill. And they would drill a hole in their ear. And that hole then would say that this is a bondservant, a man who could go free. But when he had the chance to go free, he said, the master has been so good to me. I will not go free. If he then makes that position by law, that master now had to take care of him the rest of his life. He had to help provide for him. He would work there. And now he would be under uh, obligation to take care of him, uh, to uh, help his family, and they would work. And it was, of course, under the old Hebrew law. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Because when you and I, when Jesus, can I just say that? When he could have gone free, he went to the doorposts of humanity. And he didn't just have holes drilled in his ears. He had them in his head, in his hands, in his feet, in his back, in his side. I'm preaching better than you're amening today. I don't know about you, but the Apostle Paul said, I am a, uh, I am indebted. He said it like this, I am a slave to the gospel. I am a slave to the master. Seven different words for slave in the New Testament. It's a very interesting word, slave and servant. They're beautiful Greek words that, that give some definition. But at the end of the day, what he said is, his drill has gone through my ear. I will not go free. He said, I am a servant of the Lord by choice. Can anyone in here uh, just shout hallelujah if his drill has gone through your ear? I love him because he first loved me. And listen, when I said yes to him, I will not go free. He said, that's great. Thank you for being in my house. Thank you for being in my family. I'll take care of you the rest of eternity. I was about to say the rest of your life, but it goes a lot further than that. Thank God we serve a good master. The centurion was an amazing political and military leader in that day. Without going into great detail, we see him at the cross. I am persuaded he's the same one who recognized this surely must be the son of God. And said that the same man. Now we see him uh, in Luke. We also see where he built a synagogue and paid for it himself. He built a synagogue for the Jews because he loved their nation. It's amazing how many times in the scriptures you see the reference to military things and to soldiers and to warriors. And then we fast forward somewhere around 10 years to Acts chapter 10, and now we learn this man's name. His name is Cornelius. He is an Italian centurion. He loved the kingdom of God. He was a generous man, and he prayed continually. He had recognized at the cross that Jesus is the Son of God. Before anyone else was saying that other than the Apostle Peter one time, this man recognized it standing there. It's like God jumped over millions of people, to find the Gentile that he would start the Gentile Reformation in. Can I use that term? Uh, Already he had come to the Jew, but all of a sudden it's time for the Gentiles to find out. That's you and me in case you don't know, unless you're Jewish in here, in case you don't know, you're a Gentile. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And thank God in the kingdom of God, there's no difference. Male, female, Jew, Greek, come on. And it's like God just just was looking for that person. And at the appointed time, he finds this one man and he visits him in a dream. And there the story begins later in verse 44, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens and the Gentiles are brought in and it's recognized by the the, uh, apostles of Jesus, the disciples of the Lord, and the new converts that had come during that first decade after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that this uh, outpouring was for the Gentile, not just for the Jew. Somebody ought to clap their hands to the Lord right there. And so it's for you and me. And Peter said it on the day of Pentecost, for our sons, our daughters, and as many as are afar off as the Lord our God shall call. Uh, The the salvation, the infilling, the empowering, the revelation that comes from the word of God, it's for every person. And the scripture says that his prayer, it's like God is just pulling the curtain back and causing us to understand some things here. That your prayer and your giving comes up as a memorial before God. Somebody shout memorial. memorial. Memorials are very, very important. Let me, let me give you this definition for a memorial. It comes from the word M-N-E-I-A. It's actually called mene. If, uh, and that's the, the root word. Uh, this particular word is the word uh, mene, uh, masanam. But it just remains a reminder a memorial, a memorandum, listen to it for a moment, a record, something to remember or to remind of a notable deed, something to remember or remind, a notable person, a legacy, a reminder, a record, a monument, a statue. It means to recollect. It can be a marker to be put in in memory never to be forgotten. It's something that as a memorial or reminder, it inspires us to achieve by reminding us what others have done before us that have done great deeds and actions. And sometimes it's a reminder of what we should never do in our nation again. Can I have a big hallelujah? I think it's interesting that God said to Uh, Cornelius, that your prayer and your giving is a memorial before God. In the book of Revelation, the scripture says that your prayers come up like incense before God in the throne room of God. Oh, I'm preaching a lot better than you're amen and already today. When you pray, there is a reminder before God. How many of you believe God is alive? How many of you believe He's real? Do you believe Jesus is alive? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? The Bible says when you pray and you come before the Father in the name of Jesus, that's like an incense. That's in the very throne room of God where he is as a reminder. If I read it to you in the Greek, it, it actually is a word there that means to make a plaque or a statue. Well, I think that's pretty exciting. That just means in heaven, there ought to be a lot of memorials up there. So that every time God is looking around his own throne room, he's saying, you know those people down at Abundant Life Christian Center in Lamarck? Well, we got to get some answers down to them. Get an angel if you have to. Do something. He said it's a reminder. Memorials are reminders. There's all different type of memorials, of course. They always inspire me. Uh, Let me just see if we have them available today. I I ask them to have something ready. Here's one. These these memorials are are very unique, obviously. Uh, They're great pyramids. Pyramids because some kings and pharaohs in their day wanted to do something that would not be forgotten. Some of these are thousands and thousands of years old. It's very interesting. They're a reminder. When I look at that, I don't see just a big block of sand and, and that form of concrete and stone and all of that that they put together, I see the fact that some king had a mindset that was far above almost anyone else in that whole culture and society. I look at the fact that there had to be some type of an engineer and some type of a physics genius that was able to put something together that could withstand the wind And all of the the climates of that desert, and thousands of years later, they're still trying to excavate and find all of the intricacies that are inside of these particular things. They're memorials, they're reminders that uh, if we get little-minded, oh, we you know, we can't even build an anthill. But somebody would block and tackle, build something that thousands of years later. You couldn't take that thing down uh, where you could drop the, the mother of all bombs on it and it would still, part of it would still be standing. It's fascinating. And it encased the life, the, 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 the living uh, reminders for every generation. You say those great cultures and great societies, look me right in the face. All great societies and great cultures have memorials. You cannot start over fresh and new every 50 years. You have to uh, work off of what someone else has done. Somebody ought to get that for your own family and understand that every family is not just the way it is. It should be a patchwork, a network. It should be a quilt that continues to go forward where someone is building off of what you do. I thank God for my mother and father. I'm reminded of that regularly. I thank God for Cindy's family. I'm reminded of some of the things they have done for us in our life. And we are believing God to be able to pass that on to our children one day. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Memorials are very, very important. Here's another interesting memorial. If you can, do you have the Washington Monument? There there it is. A beautiful Washington Monument. That reminds us that there was an initial president the first president here in the United States. He was a very interesting man, uh, to say the least. None of these people are going to be perfect, so please don't try to nitpick it. We're talking about the fact that they did something even in their unperfection. That still, we are reminded of it today. Uh, here's another one, quite interesting, the Jefferson Memorial. It's powerful. On the 200th year birthday of what would have been Thomas Jefferson, uh, his birthday, he is the man who is attributed as the founder or the writer of the Declaration of Independence. He was an amazing individual, uh, what he did in his day. He lived inside the boundaries of his day, but he believed he could press beyond that and do something that would not only just benefit uh, that particular uh, society, but would benefit uh, uh, generations and generations to come. And you and I today are reminded, someone shout Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, Abraham Lincoln, uh, possibly, in my opinion, uh, only the most impacting, probably the one of the strongest backbone men of all time uh, to be in uh, office there. Uh, Obviously, the Lincoln Memorial reminds us of the integrity and the dignity and the work of Abraham Lincoln. The Vietnam War Memorial, the wall that's there, that's an interesting place, is it? Do we have it? Yes. There with over 60,000 names that are sketched on there. If you can walk by that place and, and not cry, I wonder if you have a soul. Uh, at Arlington Cemetery, anyone ever been to Arlington Cemetery? It's a reminder, 420 acres of men and women who have died in combat or who were military people who died and are buried there honorably. It's an amazing place. I thought, well, I'll just go through there. Years ago, the first time, and I just want to see this. I'm an I'm a Air Force veteran. I thought, well, I just want to see that. A lot of people in my family have been uh, military people, and so I, that appeals to me, and I wanted to see it. Uh, the moment we started driving through that in the, a little golf cart-looking thing where they were touring us through with me and Cindy and the girls, I just could, I, I couldn't contain myself. I just wept. Just thinking of how many people had paid a price. Something that reminds us of the great deeds. Uh, probably the most moving place you'll ever go, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. See if we have that one. If you've never been to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, where a uh, countless number of presidents every year go and lay a wreath there, Uh, during that time at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It's a very powerful place. It reminds us of those that died in battle who maybe uh, were not able to be identified. Let me just say that. And they're there that someone paid a price. They are memorials. I think they are powerful things, but they also inspire us. They kind of challenge us to remember that we get so caught up in the mundane routine of our life and we just keep narrowing it down and narrowing it down and narrowing it down till we get in this little blinder survival mode of just doing our little thing every day and every night, and that's all that counts. Can I tell you that you're made in the image and the likeness of God? Can I remind you that there's greatness on the inside of you that maybe you haven't tapped into yet? Because you're made in the image and the likeness of God. Never lose the ability to dream. And be reminded that flesh and blood, people, all through uh, uh, eternity and since the very creation, individuals make a difference. Uh, Never let anybody buy you off cheap. Can I have a better amen? Amen. Keep that inspiration to put your hand to something that's bigger than you are. To be involved with something bigger than you are. You are in the image and the likeness of God. You have been, you are, and you will be. Somebody shout hallelujah. They remind us that there's a spark of divinity in every person that causes you to have at the right moment the ability to succeed beyond your nominal life. Uh, You can do something That's stronger and bigger than ever before. In the Bible, God used memorials continually. Uh, For the sake of time, I'm going to go quickly with this. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14, you don't necessarily have to turn there, but I promise you it's there. Exodus 12, 14, God told the children of Israel, now I'm going to pass by. He said, and I'm going to smite the firstborn. And here's what I want you to do. You sat down with this meal. He explained the meal. And he said, this is the Passover meal and you are to do this as a memorial for all your generations. And it's to remind you that Jehovah God, uh, somebody ought to get ready to shout on this, that Jehovah God is a deliverer against all odds. Maybe you've never been up against it and you didn't think there was any way out. But maybe you took a communion. That's the the greatest one that I know of. The Bible says, this do in remembrance of me. Jesus told his disciples, do it. And it's the word for memorial. He said, as a reminder that I'm Jesus, I'm the Christ, I defeated death. Somebody get ready to shout and I'm coming back again. He said, remember that every time. Don't ever let it, it's a memorial. And he called it that, a reminder Do it in remembrance of me continually. When when the children of Israel, many people don't know a lot about this unless you are a person who studies a lot in the Word of God. But when they had the Ark of the Covenant and God had rained down manna and He had uh, rained down all of the provision, the Bible says He told them, take some of that manna and put it in that Ark as a memorial a reminder that God provided for you when there was no food, there was nothing else. Can anyone remember how God met a need and just made a way where there seemed to be no way in your life? Do you remember something? It's a powerful, powerful necessity in our life. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, and on down, of course, A little bit further in verse 20 through 24, when the children of Israel were about to cross Jordan and go in and get the promised land that God had promised hundreds of years before uh, through Abraham. The Bible says he told the children of Israel, take these stones and put stack these stones there. And he said, do it as a memorial. So one day when your children ask you, how did we get here? These stones, they'll say, what were they about? And you are to remind them that God brought you through the desert. He brought you out of captivity. He caused the Jordan River to part and not stop you. And you went in and you possessed the promises of God. I wish somebody would get excited about it because we should constantly be reminded that our God is the provider of all providers. Too many times we forget. We get so focused into the moment. Don't let anything put blinders on you. Remember what God has already brought you through. Remember what he has brought you to. And and remember what he's bringing you uh, forward for. God has a plan in your life. You are not just a product of this moment. I don't care what anybody says. You are a product of generations that have paid a price before you. And if you'll just expand yourself, instead of being uh, almost offended by that, you'll turn and look and say, look what my forefathers came through. If they did it, I can do it. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'll never forget when I was 18 years old. I'd, uh, out of my first year of college, I decided that I was going to go into the military. And so I did. And I was terrified because my uncles were military men. Uh, Some of them were Marines. Some of them were in the Army. Some were in the Navy. And I knew these guys. And they always talked about how tough boot camp is. And they would say that because they uh, were probably trying to embellish themselves a little bit. Secondly, they're telling the truth. Can I have an amen from anybody that's ever been through boot camp? And then... I was dreading that, of, of going through boot camp. I knew I was physically fit, I was in great shape, physically. I was about 170 pounds, 175 pounds of walking, talking, breathing, Cindy, pleasing satisfaction, that's what I was. And so here I'm thinking about going. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. And here I was about to go into the military, and I was terrified. I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of going into combat somewhere. I didn't really know anything about that. I had, I'd never watched any war movies because I didn't watch war movies growing up. And so all I could think about was myself just basically dropping dead in boot camp. I was traumatized by it because of the stories I was hearing. And then I got this one thought. This is a true story. I thought... How many people, how many men have gone through here before? Millions of guys have gone through boot camp in all of the military. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I know I can do at least as good as one of those guys. If they have accomplished it, I'm sure I can. And I wound up being the top guy in our platoon. Because I made a decision. Are you listening to me? I made a decision that if somebody else did it and did it right, I'm sure I can also uh, today. And that's the reason I wound up signing and going in. That's what freed me to do it. Now look, I'm not recruiting anyone to go into the military. I'm just telling you that you should always look back and remember someone has done something before you. And if the devil tells you you can't, you rise up with remembrance. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone's been healed of cancer long before cancer came on you. Jesus is the same. Someone has come through that financial thing. Someone's family has been restored. Someone had an idea. Then it was, it was almost impossible to cause that idea to actually get legs and take place. But they kept pressing. And every creative idea is that way. Almost always, your, your spark of genius that's in you and everybody has that spark in them. Uh, almost every person, you can be sure that no one else will initially see and understand what you're seeing. But when they do, uh, you generally have a great partner. Memorials in your own life and I'll stop with this today if the musicians will come back. Can you remember today? Can you call to remember it's the former days? And when... Hebrews 10 says, after you were illuminated, not eliminated, illuminated. It's a beautiful word. The Greek word, there's the word photizo. We get the word photograph from it. It says, after you were illuminated. It means a bright flash of light that leaves an imprint you ever looked at a light or looked at the sun or something for a moment and closed your eyes and that imprint's there? That's a Fultizo. And the Bible says, call to remembrance the former days when after your spirit man, your heart, God burned that impression on you. And inside you knew that Jesus is Lord. And even after the moment is gone, the imprint is still there. That's what happened when you were saved. That's when you received Jesus Christ as Lord. You knew some way because it was, listen, it it was in you. It wasn't burned on you. It was imprinted in you, in your inner man. He said, call today. Call to remembrance the former days and after uh, you were illuminated. You endured a great fight of affliction, trial, problems, issues, roadblocks, stumbling blocks, setbacks. You endured a fight. Somebody shout fight. It's a powerful word. You endured a great fight. All through the Scriptures we see God talks about how we are like soldiers. Ephesians chapter 6 says, put on the whole armor of God. And then He begins to spiritually dress you. Like a Roman soldier, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and the shield of faith above everything else. Just imagine that image when he says, fight the good fight of faith. Somebody shout good fight. There's two kinds of fights. There's a good fight and there's a bad fight. Bad fight's the one you don't win. Good fight, that's the one you're going to win. The Bible says, shout and fight the good fight of faith. We are not only just sheep for the slaughter, so to speak. In the book of Romans, it's very important to hear this. In the book of Romans, uh, Paul was writing to the church. The church was beginning to get a victim mentality, because they were going through a lot of issues. They felt like sometimes God didn't hear their prayer. And so Paul is teaching in Rome, because Christ lives in you and the Holy Spirit is in you. He was teaching and he would say things like, when you know not what to pray for as you ought, the Holy Spirit will help you with groanings and utterances that you don't understand. And then he would say, for we know that all things work together for those who love the Lord, for those who are called according to his purpose. He's talking about those that are praying. He said, I know you're going through some things, but you keep praying because all things are going to ultimately work to your good. God does not make every difficult circumstance and every problem that comes into your life, God doesn't make that pop up. You just happen to live on planet earth and you have an adversary. And sometimes there's resistance, but God has the ability to take those qualities or those circumstances of infirmity and conflict, mix it by faith with his grace and his power and cause it to turn to something good. You say, how can God do that? Let me ask you a question inside of your body today, right now inside of your body, there are antibodies They're on the inside of you today. Sometimes you might get some form of illness. You might get be exposed to the measles or you might be exposed to the flu or something else. And all of those, you have some natural fighters on the inside of you. But sometimes on the outside, that attack is just more than you can take. So what they have learned to do many years ago, thank God, they've learned to take some of that out of your system. And then they mix it and create a vaccine. And then when they put it right back in you, instead of you getting sicker, suddenly your body gets stronger to fight off any of that disease or sickness that may be trying to come your way. Can I just say that when you go through sickness, when you go through trials, you go through problems, you go through situations, you don't lay down and die, you begin to pray. And when you don't know how to pray as you ought, you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. And God takes that situation and begins to mix it with that grace and power that's coming out of you in prayer and he injects it right back and you become uh, the next verse and the next, more than a conqueror. Oh, you were a conqueror before, but you were getting conquered. But when you begin to give it to God and you mix it with faith, suddenly you become a super antidote. Your faith, your prayer, your power, your confession, your action, your deeds. You have to make a decision. It's not a simple thing. Uh, it, 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 It takes an inner discipline. It takes a prayer discipline. It takes knowing the Word of God and continuing to know it. You say, well, I don't know all of that. Then pray in the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God will make, I love this term, He'll make the mixture of victory. You just keep doing your part. Be reminded. Call to remembrance. Paul said it like this. In conclusion, he said, nay, nay. In the book of Psalms, they were complaining. They were saying, our enemy says we are like sheep for the slaughter all day long. And Paul picks that up and quotes it. And he says, oh no. Even though that's what they say, your enemy says that about you. The devil says, look, they're just dumb sheep and I will destroy them. Paul says, what he doesn't know is nay. Somebody shout no. He says, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. He says, in all of those things, we have prayed and we have put God in the middle of it. And suddenly that divine mixture, that supernatural vaccine of faith and power from God begins to flow through your spirit man, right into your body, right into your circumstance. And in all of these things, somebody shout all. Come on, shout it like you mean it. In all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women, I found, are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, It would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.